From Astoria to the Rockaways, it's time for the Queen's New Yorker. And here is the man giving you all the info, your uber snazzy and jazzy host, Mr. Jason Gattaneo! Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, what a great! <laughs> yes. Oh, nice. Welcome, everybody. Thank you. Oh, you're very kind. Ah, yes. Nice to have you with us here for another edition of the Queen's New Yorker. It is Thursday, May 14th, 2020. This is episode 92, which is entitled Part 8 of the History of the New York City Subway, the IND or the ISS, the Independent Subway. The history continues as we move forward into it. Today, we're going to be looking at more parts of the crime aspect of it not so much the graffiti aspect but what more crimes took place while you were riding the train okay so this is going to be a focus on part eight definitely and part nine is going to take us into a lot more as we get there so hang tight with us folks because we're going on for the ride today as they say and that's uh, usually what happens when uh, things of this caliber take take their effect. You know what I mean? And, of course, I've got some shout-outs today, so I'm going to do that right now and do it during the comments, stats, and subs. Right now, statistic-wise, well, you were a little dry on um, Tuesday's episode. The videos-wise... Not bad. The comments were really good. Uh, 35 views for this past 91st episode. 35 views, 35 comments, 8 likes and a dislike. Okay. But the the one that really kind of struck me was this one here. The 90th episode, 70 views, 25 comments, 9 likes and a dislike. The live segment we had last week got a nice round 83 views. No comments. 13 likes and a dislike, and that's good. Analytic-wise, well, we are only, and I think with this video today, if we can get 31 views, we will be at 7,000, and that's pretty good. We'll be at 7,000 views, and we have right now 840 subscribers. So with that in mind, give yourselves a round of applause for it. Yeah. Give yourself a round of applause. Oh, yeah. That is some great statistics in this. That's and the subs. And I promised. Yes. And I promised some new subscribers that came to join us just over the past two days and during the off time yesterday, uh, I promised them a shout-out for it, so I want to give you that. Um, 
definitely. So um, here I go. SL10 Geek Show. Uh, you're getting a shout out today. He says, 842. Okay, you helped, brother. Full video watched. I like it. Come on my way and get in touch with me. And we certainly did. Samsey World. Hey, I really like your channel. We should connect. Be YouTube partner. Already subscribed. We support each other with watch time, too. Thanks. No problem, Samsey World. The Typically Queen. Thank you for connecting genuinely. Let's stay connected. Who wants to connect with me genuinely? Come over to my house. Connect. Watch while commenting, and let's stay connected. Come on over and be genuine. There you go. And we welcome you to the family. Austin Tyler. Yes. New subscriber just by the show support. Um, we'll give you a shout-out. I'm giving you a shout-out, which is today. Austin, thank you very much. The Cicely Monet. You're getting a shout-out today. You're a new subscriber. Welcome to the family. The family. Blossom Becca GH, new friend here. And she says, let's connect. And we are giving her a shout-out. Anne and Tyrone, yes. We are here to support. Keep up the great work. Please visit us back. Thanks for visiting. Welcome to the family. And, of course, I've showed my great love. Jess Yas. Jess Yas. Uh, she's got eyes. She's looking. Good. So that's good to know. Brandy Morgan. Let's keep growing together. Brandy, you got a shout out as well. The Watertown Lotto guy. Love the video. Big scent. And we hope you have a good day. And we said thanks for the sub. And it looks like pretty much we got it down pretty good. And that's good for the shout outs there. Thank you very much for your continued feedback, folks. We appreciate it very much. Give yourselves another round of applause for it. You deserve it. Oh, yeah. So there are the shout-outs for today. Oh, yeah. The shout-outs are, are happening all. Oh, yeah. And, of course, I want to get to the news of the weird real quick for you. This is our final uh, news of the weird for this week because it updates itself starting tomorrow so that when we go to Saturday's episode, you'll get it for the following week. Least competent criminals, 28-year-old Quinton Henderson, and before he was released from Illinois' Cook County Jail on May 2nd, he made a deal with fellow inmate 21-year-old Jacques Scott. Jacques has Scott. The Chicago Sun-Times reported that Scott promised Henderson $1,000 for letting Scott assume his identity according to jail authorities. And when Henderson's name was called, Scott stepped up, face mask in place, signed a few papers, and he walked away. It was when Henderson approached staff members a little while later and said he'd fallen asleep that officers realized there had been a switch. Henderson, who was supposed to be released, is now being held on charges of aiding and abetting the escape of a felon, and Scott is still on the run. Oh, boy. They did the old switcheroo. <laughs> but the charges are still going to be pending now. <laughs> yes. Uh -huh. But not to be. All right. That's good. Well, let's go ahead and get in here. Talk about more um, crimes that take place in the uh, 
situation here on the infrastructure and the crime. We pick up with the Wikipedia where we left off, the free encyclopedia. While daily felonies were nearly half between 1970 and 1980, decreasing from 261 to 154, overall crime increased by 70% in the same period. A series of window-smashing incidents on subway cars started in 1980 on the IRT Pelham line and spread throughout the rest of the system, causing delays when damaged trains needed to be taken out of service. Over a 1,000 pieces of damaged windows were replaced between January 7, 27, and February 2nd of 1985. Other actions included increasing the 60-cent fare to 65 cents to pay the salaries of additional transit police, putting a subway crimes court in the Times Square station and stationing a police officer in each car during the night hours. Richard Ravitch, chairman of the MTA, said that even he was scared of going on the subway. Despite the MTA discussing methods to increasing ridership, the 1982 figures fell to levels last seen in 1917. Within less than 10 years, the MTA had lost around 300 million passengers, mainly because of fears of crime. In July of 1985, the Citizens Crime Commission of New York City published a study showing this trend, fearing the frequent robberies and generally bad circumstances. And as a result, the Fixing Broken Windows policy, which proposed to stop large profile crimes by prosecuting quality of life crimes, was implemented. Along this line of thinking, the MTA began a five-year program to eradicate graffiti from subway trains in 1984 and hired one of the original theorists of broken windows policing, George L. Keeling, who was a consultant for the program in 1985. In the early afternoon of December 22, 1984, Bernhard Goetz shot four young African-American men from the Bronx on a New York City subway train. The incident got national media coverage. That day, the men, Barry Allen, Troy Canty, Darrell Cabby, they were all 19 years of age. And the fourth one, James Ramsour, he was 18, boarded a downtown two train, Broadway 7th Avenue Line Express, carrying screwdrivers, apparently on a mission to steal money from video arcade machines in Manhattan. When the train arrived at the 14th Street station in Manhattan, 15 to 20 other passengers remained with them in R22 subway car 7657, 7th car of the 10-car train. Now, at the 14th Street station, Goetz entered the car through the rearmost door, crossed the aisle, and took a seat on the long bench across from the door. After Canty asked Goetz how he was, Goetz replied affirmatively, at which point the four boys supposedly moved over to the left of Goetz, blocking Goetz off from the other passengers in the car. They then asked Goetz for money. He fired five shots seriously wounding all four men. Nine days later, he surrendered to police and was eventually charged with attempted murder, assault, reckless endangerment, and several firearms offenses. Now, a jury found him not guilty of all charges except for one count of carrying an unlicensed firearm for which he served eight months of a one-year sentence. The incident sparked a nationwide debate on race and crime in major cities. The legal limits of self-defense and the extent to which the citizenry could rely on the police to secure their safety. Although Goetz, dubbed the subway vigilante by New York City's press, came to symbolize New Yorkers' frustrations with the high crime rates of the 1980s, 
He was both praised and vilified in the media and public opinion. The incident has also been cited as a contributing factor to the groundswell movement against urban crime and disorder and the successful National Rifle Association campaigns to loosen restrictions on the concealed carrying of firearms. Now, in 1989, the Metropolitan Transportation Authority asked the transit police, then located within the NYCTA, to focus on minor offenses such as fare evasion. In the early 90s, the NYCTA adopted similar policing methods for Penn Station and Grand Central Terminal. When, in 1993, Mayor Rudy Giuliani and Police Commissioner Howard Seffer were elected to official positions, the broken window strategy was more widely deployed in New York City under the rubrics of zero tolerance and quality of life. Crime rates in the city and the subway dropped, prompting New York Magazine to declare the end of crime as we know it on the cover of its edition of August 14th of 1995. Giuliani's campaign credited the success to the zero tolerance policy. The extent to which his policy deserved the credit is disputed. An incoming New York City Police Department Commissioner William J. Bratton and author of Fixing Broken Windows, George L. Keeling, however, stated the police played an important, even central role in the declining of crime rates. On April, 20, um, April 2nd of 1995, the New York City Police Department and the Transit Police Department, they merged. Now, ironically, the program for action forced the closure of a large number of subway lines. The Bronx remnant or the remnants of the IRT 3rd Avenue line closed in 73 to be provisionally replaced by a new subway under the Metro North Railroad tracks on Park Avenue, one block to the west. The single-track Culver Shuttle between Ditmas Avenue and 9th Avenue, once a three-track line, closed on May, 9, uh, May 11th of 1975. August 27th of 1976, the Double G service was truncated from Church Avenue to Smith and the Ninth Streets, while service was dis discontinued on the K and the double E routes. On December 15th of 1976, the double G service at the other terminal was shortened to Queens Plaza. The BMT Jamaica line was truncated from 168th Street to 121st Street between September 11th of 1977 and the early 1980s, replaced by the BMT Archer Avenue line in 1988. And finally... Existing elevated structures posed a large danger. The New York Post published a story that featured debris that had fallen from the BMT Astoria line. Debris from the IRT Pelham line nearly killed the passerby, and debris from the BMT West End line led to a lawsuit against the MTA. Concrete falling on the BMT Brighton line near the Beverly Road station caused a months-long service disruption between November of 1976 and February 1977. And we'll leave it at that. We'll stop there because when we come back on Saturday, our part nine takes us into fair evasion, which was an interesting crime. And then, of course, if we go farther down, rehabilitation and the rising trend. Then, of course, we'll skip the projects because though there's so many projects of that time. And that'll bring us into the revitalization of the recent history. That'll bring us into the 90s by part 10. Remember, folks, the transportation series is a long one on the subway. But is it, it is 
primarily important that we cover every bit of it because we have to make sure that everything is covered. And then we'll move on to, of course, buses, taxis, other means of transportation. Remember, I told you the transportation series can go up to 30 to 35 episodes. And we already are on episode 92. So that means we've covered 22 episodes just of the New York City subway. All right. Well, we will see you tomorrow night at 8 o'clock, of course, for our live Q&A session. Remember, 8 o'clock, we'll be talking about food and more of transportation as we get there. And, of course, your questions and anything else you'd like to talk about. We'll have special guests. We'll have two special guests and a, a third one possibly coming on. So it's going to be a foursome for tomorrow's show. I hope you will join us. And remember, folks, be honest, be real, and keep it simple, stupid kiss. And don't be a nut monkey, nor for that matter, a flying one, because they don't tell the truth. They don't. <laughs> for the sake of it, they don't tell the truth. Yes. All righty. So definitely tomorrow we'll see you then. And, of course, we'll see you for episode 93 on Saturday. I'm Jason Acanio. Have yourself a good day. Bye for now. You have been watching The Queen's New Yorker. This is Jason Kelly on a Jason Decanio Internet presentation. Thank you for your support.
Thank you.